From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, May 25th. States that rely on the Colorado River have come up with a short-term proposal to cut their use in exchange for federal funding. KUNC's Luke Runyon has more. Water users in California, Arizona, and Nevada are ready to commit to 3 million acre-feet in cuts for the next three years, when an existing river management agreement expires. More than a billion dollars in funding from the Inflation Reduction Act will go to farmers, cities, and tribes to reduce their take of the river's water. Brenda Berman runs the Central Arizona Project. This is a short-term deal, right? This is a short-term deal to build stability, and to prepare us for 2026. The states were under pressure from the Biden administration to reduce their use or risk federal intervention. Heavy snow this past winter eased some of that urgency, gave the region's water leaders more time to negotiate future agreements. I'm Luke Runyon. Before it closed in 2019, the Cayenta mine provided high-paying jobs to Navajo coal miners who lived nearby. But some say that working there and at other coal mines across the Navajo Nation has given miners lasting health problems, including black lung disease. Chris Clements, with our partners at KSJD, went on a tour of the Cayenta surface mine in northeastern Arizona with former miner Alex Osif. After driving across the mine for about an hour, Alex Osif, a former coal miner and current Black Lung Benefits counselor, begins to slow his pickup truck down. It's sad. I work a lot of this. I see it go up. Now I'm seeing it go down. As a Black Lung Benefits counselor for Canyonlands Healthcare, he helps retired coal miners, occasionally even former co-workers, find out if they're eligible for federal benefits. Everyone get out. Eventually, Osif parks on the side of the road and steps out onto the dirt. A sign hanging okay. on a barbed wire fence warns us we can go no further. That's kind of all. At one time, constellations of juniper and pinyon pine adorned the landscape. All that's left now are miles of replanted fields that bake in the sun. Osif points to them. This whole area here. That's all mined out, even over that hump. You can see a drill still sitting way up there on top, that white machinery. It's an overburden drill. He drilled the the uh, the pre-cut bench. He drilled that. Osif, who is Navajo, Hopi, and Pima, is describing the process of strip mining, which involves removing topsoil in order to get at coal seams that are closer to the surface. And then they shoot it. And those drills are going about 100 feet down, and they fill it with dynamite. They shoot it. Drag line comes and uncovers the coal. So that's how, what that drill did. Today, he's showing me around his old workplace, the Kayenta and Black Mesa mines, both of which were operated by the coal company Peabody Energy. Osif started out as a Beltline laborer at Black Mesa, where his father worked. His job was to observe transfers of coal onto the conveyor belt and ensure none fell off. Later, he became a safety officer at the Kayenta mine. Black Mesa seized operations in 2005, Kayenta in 2019. The fields are mostly all that's left of these mines. According to Osif and others at Canyonlands, coal miners who worked at mines like Cayenta and Black Mesa before and even after tougher mine safety and health regulations were implemented are now suffering from black lung. And Osif expects more and more miners in the Navajo Nation to become increasingly disabled by the disease in the near future. 
At the same time, the closure of these coal mines represents a blow to the community, he says, for a variety of reasons. And again, like I said, the money was good. The offerings of retirement when you were at age was good, if they offered it. They offered incentives for early retirement to a lot of the company people. They all grasped on it. The dirt road we took to get here was developed by the coal company, Osef says, and is still used as a school bus route for people who live in or around the Kayenta mine. The mine has also long provided those who live among the area's canyons and hillsides with drinking water. Even the land that the mine is located on is critical to herders who let their livestock graze in the Black Mesa region. As we head back across the mine in Osif's car, he says he's always felt uneasy with his exposure to dust as a coal miner, especially when he worked as a driller at the Kayenta mine. It's a little hard to hear, so listen closely. I go home with sand in my shirt, my coveralls, my mouth, my nose, my heart, and my glasses, definitely. <laughs> and I try to do as much as I can. I, I get in there, hurry up, get out. Black lung is irreversible and is caused by breathing in coal or silica dust for even short periods of time. The lungs develop fibrotic tissue that fights the presence of coal or silica particles. That tissue grows over time, severely scarring the lungs and increasingly hampering breathing. This is fine powder, like flour. If there's no wind to blow it out, it sticks right there. Like, uh, it don't come off, it just get embeds in your pores. Michelle Carter, a nurse who leads the Black Lung Clinic program at Canyonlands, told KSJD that all 10 of the coal miners they've helped get access to federal black lung benefits in the last year worked at either the Black Mesa or Kayenta mines, or both. And, and again, our population is small, but each month we're adding more and more patients. So that number is, again, changed, reflective on reflected to how many patients we continue to bring into the program. A spokeswoman for Peabody Energy did not respond to repeated requests for comment on this story. Part of OSIF's job now is to file claims for benefits on behalf of coal miners who have black lung. Even after they receive benefits, he says he checks up on them regularly to see how they're doing. This is a disease that's not going to end. You have to make that fine talk of telling him you're kind of like on your deathbed but you put it in ease. In the parking lot before we part ways, Osif says he's worried there's a chance he might develop black lung later in life, like some of his friends and coworkers, but that he may not qualify for benefits. Coal companies have a history of opposing benefits claims, often citing other medical problems as causes of a coal miner's disability. Osif has asthma and worries that it may be used against him by Peabody Energy to fight a black lung claim, even if he's diagnosed with the disease. And you notice I got a hoarse voice. Yeah. So I know probably, I'll say probably another five years, I'll start to be breathing fun. I do have wheezes, but I was diagnosed with allergy asthma. And again, like if I file for black lung benefits, the company's going to pick that up. You know, they're going to use that against me. He's tested negative twice, but knows that the disease can develop many years after miners stop working. He says he'll keep getting tested and encourage others to do the same. I'm Chris Clements. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. A new report says beekeeping is not exactly easy in the beehive state. With our partners at Utah Public Radio, Anna Johnson reports. 
That's the sound of about 10,000 bees in their hive. They're multiplying every day. Pretty soon, there will be over 50,000 of them working to fill empty honeycombs with honey. Sometimes I get almost none. The first few years, I got about 10 or 20 pounds. That's Kirk Johnson. He's a hobby beekeeper. He's also my dad. His hive is in our front yard between a huge rhubarb plant and some viburnum. The last two years, I've gotten 300 pounds from one hive. He's been a beekeeper for about eight years. He says during that time, he struggled to keep his bees alive season to season. He says Utah's climate may be a factor. The one disadvantage I would see is the harsh winters that sometimes makes it difficult for them to survive. A new report from Lawn Love, a lawn care company, says Utah is the 37th worst state for beekeeping in the nation. Since data was only available for 39 states, that makes Utah the third worst state they surveyed. Lawn Love used data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the Department of Agriculture, and other agriculture organizations to rank states on total output, potential earnings for beekeepers, ability to distribute honey, and beekeeping support, like beekeeping associations or bee-friendly legislation. Despite being called the beehive state, Utah ranked very low in earning potential and total honey output. Our best ranking came in beekeeping support, though we still only barely made the top 30 at number 20. Lawn Love says you can be a bee-friendly neighbor by replacing grass with clover, planting native plants, and using organic pest control methods that don't harm bees. Johnson says despite the poor ranking, it's worth keeping bees in Utah. I think overall it's a pretty good place to keep bees. I think it's very interesting, and frankly, I enjoy sharing the honey with my friends and neighbors. I'm Anna Johnson. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, May 25th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.